Hi, you're listening to Have You Heard About, a pop culture podcast that dismantles what you think you know about pop culture, going deep on what these stories mean to our cultural collective. I'm your host, Massa. On this mini-sode roundup, we're highlighting the notable pop culture stories over the past few weeks so you can catch up on the pop culture moments you may have missed in just under 20 minutes. This week, we're breaking down Chrissy Teigen's on-again, off-again relationship with Twitter, ex-bachelor Colton Underwood coming out, the death of Prince Philip, and how the British royal family's PR team is working overtime, plus the celebrity friendship we didn't know we needed. Stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome to Have You Heard About? I'm your host, Massa. This is our second mini-sode roundup where I'm highlighting some of the most notable events in pop culture over the past week or two. We have a lot to dive into today, but before we do so, just wanted to address a couple housekeeping items. So the first thing is a few of you have messaged me saying that you cannot see the episode show notes. Episode show notes are basically just the description of the podcast, and it includes all those little links to all the articles and videos that we reference during the episode. So if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you actually need to be subscribed in order to see the show notes. And that's for every podcast on Apple, not just this one. So make sure to hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to it on any other platform, they should be right there for you. And secondly, I've had so much nice feedback about the podcast. So thank you guys so much for that. It's honestly such a treat to hear from listeners podcasting. Uh, is kind of like a solo endeavor for me anyway, for the most part, unless I have a guest host that week. Uh, and so to be able to get feedback and to hear from you guys means so much to me. I have had a few people reach out and say, hey, I've noticed that your podcast, it's a pop culture podcast, but it deals a lot with issues of race and privilege and essentially, you know, it's not as light as I thought it was going to be. So thank you for that feedback, first of all. Secondly, I did want to say, you know, this isn't just like a celebrity podcast. We do do deep dives on issues that we think are worth exploring. Uh, and to me, with pop culture, it's not just fluff. You can't separate pop culture from the real things that are happening in our society. You can't separate it from race or from privilege or really from anything else. Yes, we're talking about pop culture, but the way that pop culture is ingrained and woven through the way we live our lives daily, it's always going to be intertwined with these other issues. So first thing that we're going to dive into is Chrissy Teigen and her on and off love-hate relationship with Twitter. Three weeks ago, she announces that she is quitting the app for good, citing her mental health concerns, that there's a lot of negativity on the platform, and that she just wants to be out just to sort of support her mental well-being. This is big news for Twitter because she is casually and informally dubbed the mayor of Twitter. She has a huge following on there, 13 million plus people that she's grown over the decade that she's been on there. She's gotten a lot of love. She's also gotten a lot of hate. And a lot of people this past year have been calling her out for her privilege during COVID. So one of my favorite Chrissy Teigen anecdotes to come out of Twitter this year is she tweets about being at dinner with her husband, John Legend. And they ask the waiter to recommend a bottle of wine. And at the end of the night, they get a bill for this bottle, which ended up costing $13,000. So Chrissy Teigen thinks it's a good idea to hop onto Twitter to complain about this annoyance. So if we got a bill for a $13,000 bottle of wine that we weren't expecting, most of us would be actually financially broken. But for Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, it's annoying. 
but it's not going to bankrupt them by any means. Uh, it's just more of an annoyance. So I felt like personally, I felt like this tweet was kind of a humble brag. It didn't come across very well. As you can imagine, it is COVID times. People are struggling. People are sick. People have lost a loved one. There's bigger things going on in the world than your $13,000 bottle of wine that you accidentally ordered. She's also been taking a lot of luxury trips during COVID and hasn't been shy about documenting it on social media. And if you have the means to travel and if you have the means to get tested and to get the people that you're traveling with tested, then I guess that's great. But I don't think that you need to flaunt it on social media either. So she says she can't hack the hate and only wants to make people happy. There have been a lot of problematic tweets though from Chrissy Teigen that aren't just these look at me, I'm rich posts. There's some truly problematic stuff in there. So she was called out a while ago for sexualizing the show, the TLC show Toddlers and Tiaras. And you can imagine that didn't go over very well. If it really was any other celebrity who had made these tweets, sexualizing these young kids, they would have gotten in way more trouble. And I hate the term cancel culture, but if it was anyone else, they would have been canceled. But because Chrissy carries so much goodwill, generally speaking, she kind of got away with it, except for in the instance of QAnon, where because of those tweets, and I think it was no coincidence, QAnon ended up latching onto those and she ended up getting embroiled in things that they were accusing these politicians and celebrities of. A, a very quick recap on QAnon is that they are a cult that believe essentially that Donald Trump is here to save us all from very liberal and democratic politicians and celebrities who are are in a satanic cult themselves, who sacrifice babies. It sounds crazy when I say it because it actually is really bonkers. And it's really sad that people actually believe this. So the QAnon cult comes after Chrissy on Twitter, which even if you know, like if you're Chrissy Teigen and you know that this is way outside of the realm of reality, the things that you're saying to you, I don't think it makes it hurt any less. So this was very difficult for her to deal with. At the time, she was also grieving late-term miscarriage. Uh, this really wears on a person's mental health. Twitter did step in. They did help her out by blocking a bunch of these accounts, cleaning up a bunch of these comments. But I think the emotional scars are there, whether the comments um, and the people following you are not. Those linger and they last. So Chrissy Teigen changes her mind. She comes back onto Twitter after just three weeks and says, hey, you know what? I realized I'm silencing myself. I don't want to do that. And I'm going to take the bad with the good. She was immediately trending as Chrissy often does. And most of what I saw was a ton of backlash. So wherever you sit on your point of view with Chrissy, I personally don't feel that strongly about her one way or another. I used to be more of a fan of hers. I have both of her cookbooks, but over the years, sort of some of the stuff that she said on Twitter and what she puts out there rubbed me the wrong way. So I've, I ended up unfollowing her. But however you feel, I think needing that much validation from strangers on the internet is addictive for like the best of us as civilians out there. And certainly so for celebrities who I think naturally acclimate and crave that. Ultimately, it can't be good for you, particularly with the loss and grief that she suffered this year and just the general craziness of the year. I hope that she takes good care and has a really good support system in the offline world. At the end of the day, even though she's a celebrity with fame and fortune and all the access the rest of us can only dream of, it's interesting that she seeks validation the same way some of the rest of us do through strangers on social media. 
And what that does to her mental health, to our mental health, I think is something that we need to step back and take a good look at. I have a theory that Twitter is kind of like an adult security blanket. I also have a theory on Chrissy Teigen that, you know, when she first came onto the scene on Twitter, she wasn't as well known. She was known more as the wife of John Legend, but ended up getting a huge following of her own. And people really look to her to be sort of the comedic relief and kind of like a, hey, celebrities are just like us, sort of relatable person. But guys, like, of course, she's not a relatable person. She's a famous and very, very wealthy actress, author, entrepreneur. Uh, and I don't think that you need to be relatable to be successful. I don't think that you need to be relatable to be well-liked. But I think Chrissy thinks that you need to be relatable to be well-liked. And the bigger her following got, you know, the, with the good comes the bad. The bigger the naysayers got, the more the negative comments got. So while I'd like to see Chrissy off Twitter for her mental well-being, We'll see how it goes the second time around. All right. So whether you watch The Bachelor franchise or not, you most likely heard about Colton Underwood, ex-star of The Bachelor, coming out as gay on Good Morning America this past week. Colton was a divisive bachelor. He was originally on Becca Cuffrin's season, and his hook was that he was a virgin. So naturally, people speculated unfairly that that made him gay which in and of itself is very problematic. He ended up being cast in the lead as a bachelor and pursued Cassie Randolph, the ultimate winner, and I say winner in quotes, hard. In fact, you may remember she tried to leave the show and he literally ran to her, jumped over a fence in a really infamous scene. Uh, he really pursued her hard, did not listen to her when she was clearly like a hard no towards him. They ended up dating, but their breakup was super messy and Cassie had to get a restraining order against him. And there were claims of him stalking her through threatening texts and placing a tracking device on her car, as well as other things. He says on Good Morning America to Robin Roberts, I've ran from myself for a long time. I've hated myself for a long time and I'm gay. I came to terms with that earlier this year and have been processing it. And the next step in all of this is sort of letting people know. I'm still nervous, but yeah, it's been a journey for sure. He says part of being resistant to accept this part of himself was his devout Catholic upbringing. He thought being cast as a bachelor was God's way, perhaps, of making him straight. He was also an athlete and played football. And we know that toxic masculinity in that environment doesn't exactly lend itself to coming out or being seen as different. I stopped watching The Bachelor franchise many seasons ago, though it's hard to completely get away from what's happening in that world because it's such a big part of what we digest in entertainment news. Inevitably, you end up hearing about it. That show has been messy for a long time. It took them forever to cast black leads. There's lots of stories on how they manipulate and exploit people involved in the show. Even the fence jumping scene with Cassie and how they encourage the lead to pursue contestants, even when it's a hard no to me, poses a lot of questions around consent and what's acceptable. It stopped being a show that was a guilty pleasure for me for many of these reasons. In fact, there's a great show that spoofed the Bachelor franchise called Unreal, starring Shiri Appleby, written by a former Bachelor producer, Sarah Shapiro. And while it's fiction, it opens your eyes to what's really happening inside that universe and makes it way less enjoyable. So if you're kind of overwatching The Bachelor, I would recommend checking out Unreal. It's, I think, only two or three seasons long, but it's totally worth watching especially if you're unaware of all the manipulation that happens behind the scenes. It's really eye-opening. 
It's interesting to me that he decides to come out on Good Morning America, a family-friendly sort of program that appeals to the masses, with Robin Roberts, who is gay herself, in an effort to control the narrative and spin things positively for him and future opportunities. He very briefly addresses the issues with Cassie, but doesn't go into details, and Roberts doesn't press him, which is unfortunate and disappointing. The issue isn't that he deceived viewers by not being there for the right reasons, as they so often say, because he's gay. The issue is that despite inflicting mental and emotional abuse on Cassie, he still is in talks to get his own Netflix show about him being a gay man. While it's great for others to see themselves in him, a religious athlete who's trying to now authentically be himself, I think there are better examples who could lead a show like that. I'm not sure anyone has ever found themselves on reality TV, especially not someone with as complicated of a history as Colton. And Netflix could have done better by their viewers and members of the LGBTQ community. If you watched that GMA interview and you were also hoping that Robin Roberts was pressing him a little bit more or that he would take more accountability for what happened between him and Cassie, or if you're excited for his Netflix show, I'd love to hear what you think. You can follow me on Instagram at Have You Heard Podcast and just slide right into my DMs. Probably the biggest story of the past week was Prince Philip, husband of Queen Elizabeth, passing away. He passed away at his home in Windsor Castle at the age of 99 on April the 9th, which is pretty incredible. This shouldn't come as a surprise. He's been in and out of the hospital sick for several years. It comes at a time, of course, when the British royal family is very divided. And I think almost immediately people were wondering what the dynamics of the funeral would be like between Meghan and Harry, William and Kate, if Meghan would attend given she's pregnant and the pandemic, if the brothers would reconcile. We explored the relationship and the Meghan-Harry interview with Oprah on a previous episode. So if you want the full scoop and more details, go back and listen if you haven't yet done so. By the way, I got a ton of heat for that episode, as most people surprisingly are not fans of Meghan. It's not so much that we're diehard Meghan fans, but we definitely called out the British royal family and the British media for their treatment of her. Meghan didn't go to the funeral. I didn't expect her to. She's heavily pregnant during a pandemic, and she's not cleared for travel by her doctor. Of course, everyone is dissecting the photos of William and Harry and Kate walking, and in one of the photos, Kate is kind of looking in his direction and is suggested online that she's trying to help bring the boys back together. Those palace PR wheels never stop spinning. It's grounded in regal Kate in stark contrast to Meghan, who wasn't even there. All of that seemed to overshadow a lot of the conversations surrounding Prince Philip's death and the life that he lived. To me, what's notable is Queen Elizabeth's enduring love for him. They wed when she was 21 and he was 26, and they knew each other much longer than that. And he's always been by her side. So what does it look like now that he's gone? What will happen to the monarchy? There was an image of Queen Elizabeth at the chapel, sitting alone in black, and it was really sad and touching. So many news stories were focused around Kate's fashionable attire at the funeral and how she's been the rock for the royal family, rather than what will become of the royal family now that Her Majesty is on her own. It's shaky ground, guys, and people generally aren't a fan of Prince Charles. None of the PR is a coincidence when you really look at it. A lot of the focus is on Kate, what she's wearing, how stable she is, how solid she is for that family. So let's put a pin on this. Let's watch the story as it unfolds over the next couple weeks. My assumption is there's going to be a lot of positive press on Kate, how she's such a positive force for the royal family. I think there's going to be a lot of focus on this younger generation of royals. And I think as usual, Meghan is going to be painted as the one who took Harry away from his family that so desperately needs him during these very trying times. 
All right, moving on to some lighter fare, my favorite article of the week and the friendship I didn't know existed and I also didn't know that I needed is the profile of actresses Chloe Sevigny and Natasha Lyonne in the New York Times. I think part of me found this profile so interesting in part, maybe because my relationships and my friendships are just so static right now with COVID life. They're super cool, intimidatingly so, and I love everything that they're in. They kind of remind me of the girls in high school who sit in the back. They smoke, they're only friends with each other, and they always seem in on the joke, and maybe the joke is you. If you're not familiar with their work, the standouts for me are Natasha Lyonne in But I'm a Cheerleader, which I loved, and also more recently Russian Doll, which is just brilliant. Chloe Sevigny starred in the disturbing and very culty movie Kids, which still haunts me, especially now that I have kids myself, and the show Big Love, where she was by far the best part of the show. They're both ultra fashion plates, and after watching Natasha on Russian Doll, I immediately bought a dupe of the giant coat and boots she was wearing, and I felt just slightly cooler, even though I probably wasn't. I also feel like maybe I should turn in my pop culture card, because for some reason, it wasn't even on my radar that they're friends, even though it makes perfect sense. So they've worked on four projects together now, including Russian Doll. Uh, And during the interview, they mentioned how they would love to be in a buddy comedy together. So if there's any producers out there, can we please make this happen? We have like a bunch of Kevin James and Adam Sandler movies. I feel like banking on Chloe Sevigny and Natasha Lyonne is a safe bet. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I am knee deep in research right now for some upcoming shows around QAnon, around Rachel Hollis, Christian Mommy Bloggers, MLMs, lots going on. So be sure to subscribe so that you get them as soon as they are released. As always, it is so appreciated when you rate and review the podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Have You Heard Podcast. Let me know whether you agree, disagree, or agree to disagree. I always love hearing from you guys. Until next time.